welcome to the Crewcast, the official podcast for the Creative Writing Club at the University of Alberta. My name is Jake, who maybe shakes, and today is my guest, Bree Taylor. Say hi, Bree. Hello. Okay, Bree, tell me, why are you here today? You invited me here today, Jake, um, <laughs> to talk about my piece in the upcoming anthology, the, the debut anthology, which I'm very excited about. And I'm very excited and honored that you reached out to me to talk to you about it. Oh my God, I can't believe you're honored. Yeah, you know what? You should be honored. You are in the presence of a king. <laughs> oh, good Lord. All right. So um, for your piece, what's, the, what's it called? My piece is called Seasonal, and it is a queer modern retelling of the Hades and Persephone story. I remember last time for your, um, in your first draft, it was just called Seasons, right? Yeah. So I just kind of changed the title. I felt like Seasonal just made a little bit more sense, because actually one of the first notes that I was given by my editors was like, we need kind of more something to like link us to the original um, mythology and so I added in the pomegranates into the final draft and pomegranates are a seasonal fruit and seasonal also refers to the nature of Hades and Persephone's uh, relationship in that it changes with the seasons. Since you brought that up like in the Greek myth it's Hades who offers like Persephone's the pomegranate but this time the roles are reversed in your piece. Yeah, actually. Uh, I, have, I am in my classics degree. I am trained to comment on that. In the original telling, Hades is very much painted out to be the bad guy, which granted, you know, kidnapping your spouse, not a great way to start things off. <laughs> so when I wrote this one, I wanted to paint it in like a different light because Hades is often like, you know, like I said, so much the villain and it's this, the story is very sympathetic to Demeter and her like quest to return her daughter to her. So I wanted to just kind of explore like if this was a queer relationship, kind of how would that change within that light? So instead, you have Hades as a queer woman trying to stay with her girlfriend with a disapproving parental figure that they have to deal with, which is something that a lot of queer couples do have to deal with. And so I just thought it would be interesting to explore that side of, of the retelling. I also know, like, in the original s story, it, it it's kind of icky, you know, like, kidnapping your yeah. spouse and kind of tricking them into saying, not my speed. I wanted to retell this with, like, less kidnapping, like, zero percent <laughs> of the kidnapping from mm. the original. So what inspired you to write this? Did you have anything personal to draw from? A little bit, yeah. What really, I guess, inspired me to write it was just that I've always kind of found the story of Hades and Persephone pretty fascinating. And I think in kind of more modern art, we've been seeing a lot of retellings of the story. So like you have Lore Olympus, which is a webcomic that is also like a more modern retelling. You have Hades Town, which is an absolutely brilliant musical, but I had yet to see any retelling that took it on from a queer lens. And to me, that's always something that's important. I like writing queer stories. I like writing queer representation because it's something I never got. So I've just kind of decided to write my own. That's basically what inspired me. It was just like old story that I like, make it gay. Let's, let's go. Full send. Gay. 
I love yeah. it. I actually wrote the very first draft almost a year ago. Oh. And yeah, the first draft was, I believe, about 8,000 words. 8,000 um, words. 8,000 words, yeah. I was verbose. I think there was a dog in it. I had to, like, cut out the dog. You cut yeah. out the doggy? Yeah, kill your darlings, man. Um, yeah, Hades had a dog. Dogs. You heard that, folks. Bree Taylor tells you to kill your dogs. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> if I end up on the front page of the gateway, like local student tells people to kill their dogs, I'll be very upset with you, Jake. Um, I'm not cutting it out. It's staying in. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. There was a lot of change from like the very initial draft to when I submitted it to the anthology. And then when it was accepted into the anthology, there's so much that has changed even from the first draft to what I have now. And all of that is like the work of my editors who are lovely and very smart. And they have helped me make the story so much better than I could have ever done just on my own. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of editors, what was the process like? Was it, was it good? Was it bad? No, my editors are lovely. They both really liked the story. I think it was pretty high on their list when it was accepted into the anthology. And they were, they were super on board with the concept. What we kind of changed a lot was like, um, when I submitted it, it was actually like over the word count a little bit. So we thought a lot of the editing was just going to be, you know, cutting it down, cutting some stuff out. You had mentioned before that in my initial draft, there was like a first date scene that yeah. isn't in my final draft. And that's true. That was one of the scenes that we had to cut out just for word count sake. But they told me to cut it out because it was just too verbose, which is like a problem that I have had. You're too <laughs> verbose. Very, very truthfully, yeah. No, but it was it was not like that at all. They were just like, hey, this is good, but like we got to get to that conflict and we got to get to it like way faster than this. And I was like, yes, you're right. And then part of it was I was having issues, I think, with just my own prose because I have stare at it till I hate it disease like many other writers do. And I was kind of like, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure like why I don't like it. And then both of my editors were kind of like, you don't write with a lot of emotion. You're very tactical. Uh, you're very analytical. You're very textbook. And I think that just comes from because I'm used to writing like journalism, oh. um, which is very tactical and technical, but it doesn't work well when you're trying to tell an emotional story. So I said like, yes, you're right. I do write like a robot. And they encouraged me to fix that. And I don't think I would have ever kind of come to that conclusion on my own. I think the emotion was just kind of like a personal thing on me because I tried to be very tactical because I think one of my bigger fears was like it being cheesy. But oh. then after a while, when they were kind of like, no, you need to inject more emotion. And I'm just like, you know what? If it's cheesy, who gives a damn? So I'm very grateful for all of their help. Um, and they've been fantastic to work with. And they just said, yeah, like fix this part right here. Um, we need your characters to emote. And actually, when I had finished the emotional part and I got feedback from them and they said, like, yes, you've added in some emotion. Good job. I sent them the gif of Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine just saying, I am good at emotion. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how I felt while writing it. The other thing that I had been, I guess, kind of grappling with and what my editors did help me a lot with was the ending because it was difficult to kind of come to given the events of the story kind of come to a satisfying conclusion that doesn't feel rushed and I'll leave it up to the readers 
to decide whether I pulled that off or not. But as it stands right now, I'm pretty happy with it. So what was your writing process like? So my writing process is typically very anxiety-filled. Writing is hard. As I've mentioned, I have stare at it till I hate it disease. <laughs> so I found that actually having like hard deadlines with my editors and them being like, Brie, we need you to have this in now was like the only thing that got me to actually write. So for me, the, the process of just like crafting the story was kind of like, how do I play within these own limitations because it's a retelling but how do I inject kind of my own version of the story or inject kind of myself into the story without it being like completely different or without the two clashing together yeah actually why did you choose Hades and Persephone's of all other Greek myths you could have just picked out a roster that's a really good question. For me, picking Hades and Persephone, I think, was just a matter of, like, putting out the art that I wanted to see and not waiting for someone to give it to me. Because, like I had said, there has been, like, a surge of, like, Hades and Persephone retellings, but none of them that I can maybe fully connect to as a queer person. For me, I just found it to be, like, interesting if you, you know, flip the main narrative voice from, like, Demeter or Persephone over to Hades instead, and how does that look like from their perspective? And when you add, like, the intersection of queerness, how does that make the story more interesting or more compelling? And I just kind of liked the ideas that I came up with and ran with it, and wrote down a first draft and here we are which is a very long-winded way of saying because i wanted to oh my god okay so this is like the second time this is the second story in the anthology where there's like a mention of a mortician oh really it's, yeah and like lamort which it's, it's like um, oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah about i haven't actually i haven't i'll make a confession i haven't actually read a lot of the fiction what um <laughs> sorry it's simply because when I submitted my fiction piece, I didn't want to like be involved with any of the other fiction. So like any choices would be biased towards myself. So I didn't really read a ton of a lot of the, the fiction. I read all the poetry and I read all the flash fiction and I read all the nonfiction, but I didn't read a lot of the fiction for that reason. I also think it's fun like just to give myself like a surprise, like when the anthology comes <laughs> out, like I can read the final drafts and be like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Well, my God, there's another mortician in here. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Maybe it's a shared cinematic universe. Ooh. <laughs> I would love to do an anthology with a shared cinematic universe. Let's get on that. <laughs> we just call it Underworld or something like really edgy and emo, and then we'll just like Undertale. Under Undertale? <laughs> you think Undertale is edgy and emo? If you lived on Tumblr at the time when Undertale came out, you would think so too. You can cut all of this because I've just outed myself for being a Tumblr kid. <laughs> nope, I'm not cutting this out. No, no, Jane. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of ways to work this bit of audio in. But anyway, so where can our audience find your piece? You can find this piece in the Creative Writing Club's debut anthology, along with many other wonderful pieces of fiction, flash fiction, poetry, and nonfiction. And I'm very excited that you're interested in, in my work and in this anthology. All right. Um, do you know when it's going to be released? No. Yeah, I don't think anyone knows when it's going to be released. All right. We're going to have to leave them in suspense for now. 
And by now, I mean in the future, because this is Jake recording several weeks after the interview. I've been told by our Generalissimo, El Presidente EJ, that the anthology is estimated to be released around late October. Something more official will be announced here, so do stay tuned for more information. Anyways, thanks for listening to the first episode of CrewCast. I've been your host, Jake. And don't forget, Bree, you owe me $50. Bye-bye.